I'm delighted to welcome today Noel Morgan, who is a leadership coach. Welcome, Noel. Hello, hello, hello. Delighted to be here, Elaine. Thank you. Fabulous. So you are in the Cotswolds in the UK, I believe? In the beautiful, sunny Cotswolds in the UK today. So yes, it's a glorious day. Fabulous, fabulous. And leadership coaching, is that women and men or just women or what, what kind of um, specialism is it that you have? Um, at, the, at the moment, although I have, um, I have coached men, at the moment my focus is on um, female leaders, um, whether that is leadership in a corporate setting or and or leadership in, you know, in your in your personal life. But yeah, the focus is mainly women at the moment. Cool. Okay. And is there any particular industry sector that you're that you're passionate about that you know lots more than the average bunny does? I'm not sure I know lots more than the average bear in <laughs> anything really. But um, my background before I went into coaching was um, twenty years in um, global HR in pharmaceuticals. So my industry, in terms of the lady, the women that I'm attracting, tend to be nine out of ten tend to be in the pharmaceutical healthcare arena, which is which is perfect because I spent twenty years um, playing around in big and small pharma, so I understand kind of like the politics and the bureaucracy and and all of that lovely stuff. Okay, it's interesting, isn't it, how every industry sector has its jargon. So I was in hundreds of years ago, I was in law firms and accountancy practices. So I can speak legalese and, and accountancy. And uh, from the inside out, they're different organisations, aren't they, to the average, although every organisation thinks it's special. But bottom line is, we've all got the same issues, you know, strategy and HR and recruitment and wellness and finances and you know sales market goes on and on yeah. yeah so what what type of challenges do your clients typically come to you with um so the majority of women that I coach actually have a similar journey to me which is uh which is no surprising so it's about um, women who kind of like keep themselves keep themselves small um struggle to speak up struggle to use their voice um maybe have difficulty putting in place boundaries um have difficulty um expressing their emotions or expressing any emotions or expressing emotions appropriately um so those are the types of um would i call it challenges that those are the types of women. I mean, the, the women who come to me are, are bright. They're fantastic. You know, they're already they're already successful and being amazing in everything they do. Um, and there are, as we all do, there are aspects that can like hold them back and block them. So those are the types of challenges. Um, if we're going to use that word that I work with, it's it's interesting. You say you know, clever clever people, but then not necessarily. Are speaking up for themselves and, and this happens a lot with the people that I serve um, those who are very eager to please others but don't necessarily look after themselves and that's where the health issues come so I'm obviously talking from a health perspective and when we don't speak openly when we don't when we don't express our emotions 
we hold them in and then by default if we're holding their emotions in we become ill absolutely so it's, um, it's, a, it's an ever decreasing circle yeah and it's funny that um and i forgot to mention it but um i work with a lot of um women who are people pleasers mm. and it's kind of it's 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 sadly it's it's almost like the the women's role it's expected that we do everything we hold it all together we don't ask for help we're all about everybody else and then it's kind of like you know who takes who takes care of uh, me and as you said um if you if you don't express yourself and if you don't speak up and if you don't ask for what you want then you get kind of like frustrated and then where does all the, where does all that energy go where does all that frustration go um and i know your focus is obviously um health but it's got it's got to come out it's got to come out somewhere um and i totally i totally agree i mean i as you know i've got um chronic health problems um and i don't think it's any surprise or any coincidence that my childhood was traumatic so um i don't think there's i don't think there's always a mind body connection i'm not going to say that but i think there is there is some link some of the time yeah. Well, I would step out and and categorically say that there definitely is a mind body connection, and this is why lots of the the psychologists and psychotherapists and so on they go back to childhood to unravel. You know what was it that happened at this yeah. age or that age that that caused you to be the person you are today and limiting beliefs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And you you've done all this in psychology. You're you're, you're highly trained, aren't you, in various different uh, disciplines. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I have, I've got asthma and bronchiectasis, and I think I told you that before, two long-term, non-curable lung conditions. Um, and I was thinking, you know, in terms of before we got on the call, and because um, I just read something about this mind-body uh, connection. Um, and I wonder when we talk about uh, kind of like genetics and stuff that has been passed down the line. So perhaps, you know, uh, my grandmother had asthma, you know, it runs in the family. Some, I, I, I wonder how much of, is it genetics or is it? There, there is, yeah, there is a, Various schools have thought on this, but the, the leading schools are now, when I say schools, individual people who are um, highly um, informed about the, this, this area. So it's about epigenetics. So, yes, yeah. you have the, the genetic uh, predisposition from your forebearers, and that can go back four or five generations, mm. um, much as it can do in terms of behavior. So the other, so I, I work in health and well-being, but also in behavior um, analysis. And it's said that the behaviour, the um, behaviour patterns can go back five generations and with health, it can go back four generations. Wow. So, yes, it is all linked. But equally, you are not your genetic predisposition just because you're I mean, my father died of cancer. Um, my my whole family, if I, I could throw up, you know, any kind of health condition, you'll find it somewhere in my family, somewhere along the line. So, but just because they died of these conditions doesn't mean to say that I'm going to get them. Um, so, but it does have a bearing, but not the big bearing that uh, medical profession frighten us into believing it does. Um, in cancer, for example, it's only 5% of 
5% genetics and the rest is in our hands and it's lifestyle related and mind-body connection. It's absolutely yeah. huge. Um, asthma is completely reversible. Um, yeah. it's, it doesn't have to be lifelong um, debilitating thing, but you've also got another condition. So that's obviously has an impact. So everybody is individual. Everybody's body is different and as their mind is different. So when you're when you're coaching these these women who've got this um, uh, predisposition, shall we say, to be people pleasers, where, where, where do you start? Where, how, how do you begin a coaching session? Where, where, where do you first start? Well, obviously, it depends, you know, what what they're coming um, to me to talk about um, and understanding um, what their challenge is, what their limiting belief is, what's holding them back. Because they, they come to me and everything is kind of on the outside. It's all rosy. And as I said, they're, you know, smart, they're intelligent. Everything looks good on the outside, as it does for all of us. And then it's about focusing on, um, you know, listening to their story and focusing on the aspects that perhaps aren't working quite so well. It's a bit like riding a bike or riding a tricycle, kind of like one of the wheels is a bit like, ee, ee. so you go along smoothly and there's just something that's kind of like knocking you off, knocking you off balance. Yeah, um, you, you, you mentioned limiting beliefs. Um, I think that's a big part of the the challenge for, for a lot of people, not just women, but also men as well. And regardless whether you're in the leadership position or, or anywhere in an organisation or running your own business, when you have limiting beliefs, um, I, I had a limiting belief uh, that lasted me for, for nearly 60 years that uh, my ears stuck out, which which they do, as you, as you can see, but they are just ears at the end of the day. And I remember sitting in my grandma's kitchen one day telling her, I never said this to my mum or my dad, because um, obviously that's where I got my ears from, particularly my dad. And um, I said to her about this. So she said, oh, don't worry, dear. She said, all you need to do when you read a book, you do this. So for those who are um, on audio, I'm putting my elbows on my table, uh, my desk and putting my hands over my ears. So she said, you do this. And then, um, then you turn the page over and then you put your hand back and so on. And she said, and eventually, you know, it'll be, so for years, I mean, I'm going like nearly 60 years, I'm 66 now, 60 freaking years. Like, that's how I read a book. I mean, for goodness <laughs> sake, it's laughable, isn't it? It really is. But that's, that's a, a lighthearted um, look at limiting beliefs. But we believe these things, don't we? You know? Isn't it interesting because... Obviously, I've, I've spoken to you a couple of times, both on video, and that is not something that I see in you yeah. or I've ever seen in you. And then as soon as you mention it, yeah. then you focus on it. Yeah, don't Without look at the ears. Oh, ears. ears. These ears, you know? Yes, what, what sticky out yeah. ears? Yeah. Um, and that's the thing, isn't it? The limiting belief that you hold you know, you've be, you've been given it or you've carried it around yeah. for 60 years and you've kind of like carried it in this rucksack full of yeah. other stuff, full of other bricks um, until you realise, you said you carried it for 60 years. Hang on, what the hell? Yeah. Why am I holding on to this? Yeah. Because the only person who sees it or who believes it is you. Yes. You as in the case of Elaine, but you yeah. as in the person who's holding the limiting belief. And you realise that maybe, you know, my mother said something to me one time or my grandmother said something to me one time and I and I held it. I latched onto it 
because you know you, you know from like what is it the third trimester until you're seven you absorb everything like a bloody sponge yes yeah you soak it all in come on I'll take that you know you're taking the good stuff and also the not so good stuff and you and then you just carry it around yeah absolutely carry it around don't you until you know 60 years it took you yeah ridiculous and what what fixed me of it was um when I had my stage four cancer, um, actually well, nearly 60 years, so that was eight years ago, um, I shaved my, well, I got my son to to shave my hair off because nobody really seen my ears. Um, and um, I thought, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lose my hair. I accepted a teeny weeny bit of chemo. I, I don't generally hold with chemo, but in the situation I was in, it was appropriate. So I had a teeny bit of chemo and I thought, well, I'm not going to wake up and put, lift my head off the pillow and all oh, that my hair's going to stay there I'm going to do this my son to be in control which is my personality style to do so though so I gave my son the, the you know snipper shear things whatever you call them and I said here you go so he shaved my head and um, there's pictures of me darting around with um with no hair and I thought well you know they're, they're just ears so from that that then on I haven't bothered so um yes. uh, how, how silly but it, it's it's typical of so many people yeah it's it is silly when you look back at it now and what a wonderful story in terms of when your head was shaved and all of a sudden you're very raw and what's wrong with my ears yeah. their ears but when you're holding on to it at the time I mean a bit like you bless you're reading a book for 60 yeah. years <laughs> <laughs> bless your gran <laughs> yeah she meant she meant well bless the socks but bless uh, her hey ho <laughs> so um values so limiting beliefs but also values are important aren't they in in um, the, the work that we do uh, both of us so your values um what 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 drives you what are your top values Noel? i must have had this sense that you were going to ask this, Elaine, for some reason, because I actually wrote down my values. Um, they are freedom, adventure and communication. Nice. And that's what drives me. And I think it's a bit it's a bit similar to you use the word control. Um, and I think for me, with both of my long term conditions, when I was younger, it was like, this is not going to define me. I'm not going to live a life being known as, you know, the asthmatic or the one with bronchi ecstasis, or she can't do that because she's poorly. So I think these are these are the values that, you know, I I live by and breathe every day because it's about kind of like living living my life to the max, and enjoying every possible every possible thing because you know like life is short whether you've got a chronic health condition or not um adventure I mean I've done so many amazingly crazy beautiful fantastic things like climbing Kilimanjaro um climb uh, climbing Machu Picchu doing the Grand Canyon and camping out for three days um hiking in Namibia I mean adventure to me is is up there um and then freedom goes hand in hand with that like a bit like you know that word control nobody is gonna nobody's gonna define me with a with a chronic condition nobody's gonna tell me how i'm gonna live my life 
Mm. Um, and I think I told you last time we met that I, uh, I was told when I was younger that I would never run. Um, and then, so whenever you tell me not to do something, I do my damnedest to go and do it. And I've now run six marathons. Wow. Um, so that for me is freedom, freedom of thought, freedom of expression um, and communication. I just love talking. I love talking to like-minded people. I think communication is so important because if you don't talk, then kind of like people make assumptions. If you don't ask for what you need. Hello, people pleasing, which was yes. one of my uh, challenges back then. Um, if you don't ask for what you need and don't put in place boundaries, then people, uh, you know, people uh, walk over you or, um, you know, um, well, kind of like use use the kindness and goodness in your heart. So communication is uh, is huge for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and having the appropriate boundaries and yeah. you need to have the confidence to to have the conversation. And I think that's why we have a lot of problems in, in organisations where there's a perception of bullying because somebody who's more strong, determined, confident personality versus people pleaser. The people pleasers tend to take on everybody else's woes and more kind of, I wouldn't say victim, but more um, absorbing everybody else's stuff and assuming yeah. it's it's they're the ones in, in the wrong rather than um, the strong-willed people perhaps aren't being as compassionate and uh, empathic as as they might be. And, and that was me years ago. You know, I'm, I'm a straight talker, as you know, and you know, say things as they are. And sometimes I say things and I think, oh, that didn't come out quite what I meant, you know, and have to sort of backtrack and try and dig yourself out of a hole. So I'm really more more careful, more aware this day and age, because we seem to have a lot of snowflakes out there who are, you know, it's almost like they wake up in the morning asking to be offended, you know, what can I find to be offended by today, you know? <laughs> so I think somewhere along the line, we, you know, we need to have a balance in life. And um, I think there's some areas that have gone a bit wonky. Not like Roald Dahl by some chance and the books. Yes, he was, uh, yeah, his, his, his story. Talking of wonky. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, I'm sorry. Just say it's interesting that you use, you just said something that I was coaching um, a client around. You said this, a perception of bullying. Yeah. So just explain that because, and I'll tell you a bit about why I, um, why I asked so, it. So with the, with the disbehavioral profiling um, uh, assessment tool that I use, and I've got my own version on back end of my website, um, the high D, the high I personality style, which I am, yeah. very forthright, very direct, go-getting, 100 miles an hour, oh, bright, shiny new thing, let's look at that, oh, bright, shiny new thing, let's look at that. So overwhelm, burning out, etc. versus, and, and extreme extroverts, versus introverts who are, you know, wouldn't say boo to a goose and mm. work at a slower pace. So you've got the pace of working as well. That can have a perception of bullying because the D's in the eyes are going, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. And the others are going, well, hold on a minute. Let, let's get this right. If they've got the oomph to say, you know, hold on a minute, a lot of them don't. They just say, okay, okay. And they go on and then they end up having more and more work piled onto them. They're saying yes, yes, yes to everything. Every, everybody has a tendency to say yes, yes to everything until you get to the point where you're burning out, you're overwhelmed, whatever it is. Yeah description you want to put on it yeah. so when you've got the 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 contrast of the different personality styles 
there can be a perception of bullying and yet it's not bullying per se but it's just the difference in behaviors and when you understand that and everything then gets put into context and nobody falls out everybody gets along and goes okay well this person is better suited to this task this person is better suited to that task and then together you can work and and um, understand each other and get whatever it is you need to get done yeah so I think um, I think you know it's I, I totally agree with you on on that um, I think there are there are bullies and I've been the um, I've been the victim of one and I ended up leaving an organization my last HR role so we put those to one side because there are yes like yeah there are there are mean people out there, there. are mean mean mm. shits out yeah. there and then on the other token. I think you hit the nail on the head because it is, it's kind of like the diff, the different styles, the different ways people communicate, the different um, pace um, and the different speed that people work at. And when you've got two people who are completely opposite on that scale, it can be like, whoa, you know, don't talk to me like that. Um, or you're asking a lot of questions or I don't like when you challenge me. And I think sometimes it's become, well, he's a bully mm. or she's a bully. Yeah. But it's not always, it's not always, I'm not talking about the mean, mean people. I think it's just in terms of we've got our own triggers. We've got our own inner stuff going on. Um, and then you've got, you know, an extrovert coming along and kind of like asking them to do, do this, do this. I need it done now. And it's like, oh. Yeah. I find it a lot with um, uh, accountants and lawyers. So that, that's the area that I'm more um, um, knowledgeable about, shall we say, from previous roles that I've undertaken. And typically the, the leader, head teachers as well, I used to do mentor head teachers many years ago. So head teachers, business leaders, there's two types of personality style, leadership style that are common. One is popular, one is not popular, but they both get the job done. And the more aware somebody is of their behavior characteristics. So, for example, if I'm if I'm running um if I'm writing an email, I'll just straight away. Um, in fact, I've trained myself now not to put the name of the person on there, not to put the email address before I've, I'm happy with the email because I've been trigger happy. And if I send it too quickly, I've not top and tailed it. So I'll say what I want to say. And then I'll go back and I'll top and tail it. Oh, hi, how are you? You know, hope the family is okay or whatever it is. Happy Christmas or whatever. And then in the middle, obviously, it will be in my message. But to read my message on its own, as I want to say it, is too direct, too harsh. So I top and tail it. So I've now trained myself not to put the email address of the person until I'm happy with it. So there's lots of ways that we can we can help ourselves, but when you're in, a, in a, a work situation and you're having to think on your feet and in a dynamic, um, fast-paced environment, people can get the wrong impression, get the wrong end of the stick and think that, you know, oh, that person is picking on that person. Well, no, they're just eager to get the job done. Yes. Uh, so it happens very, very often that firms of accountants in particular most of the accountant leaders that I profile, I would not hire them to do to do an accounts job. They're just not accountant material. They're leadership material, but they're not accountant material. And I and I say this openly. I've got two two new clients recently, and the same thing. You know, I wouldn't I wouldn't hire them to be an accountant. I would hire them to be a leader. 
but in in that process in that awareness they have to recognize how different they are to their staff um so i'm i'm forever i'm saying to people look at the difference this is this is your administrator's profile this is your profile you can see by the behavior pattern the shapes that you're not compatible on the surface however collectively you've got all of the characteristics you need so when you understand one another you're actually a very powerful team but you can irritate the hell out of one another you know opposites attract you have that in relationships as well so the same thing happens with with relationships yeah it's interesting because when you talk about accountants I'd, I'd have thought it'd be the other way around I'll hire you as an accountant but you're not going to lead a team yeah well that that's that's the same thing it's the same thing right. so the the um so what so what happens typically is those who rise to become leaders they should never have been accountants in the first place right um, I, see. I, I would never have hired them to be an accountant yet somehow they've risen right. to the top they 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 do they can do the accountancy stuff because they're bright they're clever and it's almost like a means to an end. So mm. some of them actually go into the practice knowing that they're going to be high, you know, running their own practice at some stage. So um, it's interesting. Um, but sure as eggs are eggs, um, I don't think I've come across any leader in an accounting firm that doesn't have a high D um, characteristic or a high I characteristic, which is the outgoing side of things. Yeah. Um, and then they send their, their people out to network and the people are introverts, well, they're not going to get on very well. They're not going to be very comfortable in networking because they're not outgoing. You know, they'd sooner be serving the coffee or hanging the coats up or something, you know, rather than networking. So it's identifying the traits. And and you you would come across that with your with your your lady leaders that 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 you help. They'll they'll there'll be some kind of patterns that you would have seen over the years with the people that you're coaching, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about and it's about being okay with that. I think it's it's because I think sometimes we try and kind of like fit everyone into um our own definition of, of what success should look like. And therefore you, you you're an accountant or you know you're a pharmaceutical executive, and therefore you should be able to stand on a stage, and therefore you should, you know, have um you know be able to present. And therefore, you should, you know, be able to communicate in X, Y, and Z. And not everyone, I think it's about celebrating the uniqueness and diversity of everybody and recognizing that you are going to have accountants um, who actually don't enjoy going out and networking with people, but they are bloody good at doing this or that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. And I think sometimes it's kind of like, you know, square peg, round hole. Yeah, I call them squegs. Um, and that's, I, I help um, I help firms with the recruitment. I'm not a recruiter per se, but I help in the recruitment process. I can yeah. identify whether somebody is going to be suitable for the role that, that the managing partner wants them to fulfill. So we have different personality traits for salespeople and marketing people, different traits for HR, for um, accountants, lawyers. Uh, engineers web designers creatives everybody's got a got a a unique gift but their behavior pattern um we can train for um skills but we can't train for behavior our behavior like you said by the time we're about seven years old the lid is on our beliefs now our ingrained conditioning is is done and we carry that with us the rest of our life so we can be trained for any kind of skill um, acquisition but in terms of the natural behavior traits 
we are who we are and the sooner yes. we understand that the better yes as soon as we understand that and be compassionate with ourselves yes. and yeah. recognize that it's okay yeah absolutely going back to your your amazing adventures how can somebody with your two um two conditions related to breathing how the heck can you have done all of this how do, how how can you run marathons where some most people with your conditions can barely walk up the stairs how come because someone told me elaine many 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 years ago that i couldn't mm. and that was it for me and even just you, when you've just said that, it makes me feel quite emotional because somebody somebody said said to me when I was a young age, "You're not going to be able to run. This is a very, you know, this is a long term condition. It's not curable. So you, you you've got it." Yeah. And then, as I said to you, when somebody says that, the the attitude in me, the strength in me, the resilience in me, the determination was: this is not how my life is going to end. So um, I started to run, probably, I didn't start to run until, um, until I was about 30, because I kept on listening to that doctor say, mm. you can't do it, you can't do it. And I started just small, like, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes. Um, and then I obviously built it up. And now I've, you know, now I've run six. Climbing up Kilimanjaro, the highest mountain in Africa, the highest freestanding mountain in Africa, kind of like 18,000 feet tall. You know, you can imagine altitude. It didn't even cross my mind that I couldn't do it. Brilliant. And that is such a huge, huge um, recognition. And that, that happens with people I see on the health and well-being side of, of the work that I do. I can tell you, I used to do a lot of talks, um, in-person talks, and I would stand in front of an audience talking about uh, recovery from cancer. And I would be looking around and I, I, I would say to people, I can tell just by looking at you whether you're likely to struggle with healing or whether you're going to breeze it because yeah. of the way you hold yourself, the, your, your, your facial expressions, your body language, your attitude... Um, your demeanor you know all that sort of stuff and the same the same with you somebody tells me I can't well don't even go there and that's how yeah. that's how I got um you know recovered within three months from stage four cancer yeah. somebody um, well somebody a consultant told me I had less than a year to live eight years ago really watch me you know 24 hours of stunned shock horror you know what the what the heck yeah and then yeah. right okay watch me yeah, and the yeah. same, I was born with a, a, um, a genetic condition that I didn't know about um, until I kept being misdiagnosed in my teens. I was a competitive swimmer and um, I used to keep getting problems, waterwork infections and so on. And then at the age of 22, I got blue lighted to a emergency unit and they were wearing hazmat suits and whatnot. And um, they thought I had typhoid, but it turned out I had a rare kidney condition that I was actually born with. And um, I was told that was incurable and I would be on medication for life. And I went along like a duty, dutifully good girl. Uh, I went along under Harley Street consultants, taking the medication, which was antibiotics. And I was on them for over 20 years. And um, we now know that medication, uh, long-term antibiotics is not a good idea. Yeah. Uh, of course, I've ended up with all kinds of things. So I work hard at, at, at keeping well. 
um but it's just a way of life now as it is with you you just get on with it and suck it up and, and you know so what but yes. if people were to look at our lives from the inside out you know see how we live day to day they yeah. probably yeah. well I know my myself and um, all sorts of weird things that I do they're not weird to me but people go well why do you do that you know because I'm worth it because yes. it's to me you know yeah it's so, it's so lovely that because I'm worth it because we are we are worth it and I'm um, I'm on the lowest dose inhaler ever because I need to be on an inhaler you know because I've got obviously two conditions and I think that is because not only my mindset a bit like you said watch me I'll do it but because I can like look after myself, look after my mind and look after my body, and I do so much bloody exercise, I've known up and down this road, oh, I see you running past my window. <laughs> Nobody knows my name, yeah. but it's kind of, oh, there she is. Yeah. And I get out every single day and do some form of exercise. Brilliant. Absolutely. Because I'm, because I'm worth it. Yeah, mind over matter. And, and, that that's triggered a, a memory for me on on um, forgiveness. So many people, so many people pleasers, go through life um, not appreciating their value, their worth, and they're constantly um, kind of denouncing themselves and putting themselves down in favour of other people or putting other people first. Whether it's family, whether it's children, whether it's co-workers, whatever, they're continually putting themselves first and. Quite often, I find that many of them hold grudges, hold grievances, and until they release those grudges and grievances, they, if they've got a condition, they won't heal so well because they're holding on to that emotion, and that doesn't serve people well at all. So, so forgiving people not because the people deserve it, but because the individuals are worth it. Yes, the the individual yeah. themselves is worth yes. it. Because yeah. you know what it's like if you, I mean, you just, you can do it yourself. If you think about somebody that, you know, has, has kind of like pissed you off or if you don't like or has hurt you. And if you think about them constantly for about just 10 minutes, what that feels like in your body. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a bit like, you know, somebody's kind of like very slowly tipped acid or, you know, domestos inside you. And it's kind of like... It's kind of like hitting away. Yeah, that, that's the choice, though, because um, I've learned that over the years. I used to be like that on, on situations if I if, um, you know, something something nasty happened. Now yeah. I have a complete shift and anybody who is mean and horrible and does things that are really against my values, I just send them away with pity and love because yeah. I feel sorry for them. I don't feel angry. Um, I had a situation literally only a few weeks ago and people said to me, why aren't you angry? Why aren't you, you know, spitting feathers over it? And I said, well, what's, how's that going to serve me? The person mm. that did what they did to me, um, they will get their own karma in good time. Um, and I'm a great believer that everything has a silver, silver lining. Whatever happens, happens for a reason. And the universe has our back. So whatever happens is meant to happen. Me getting upset about it um, or denouncing the person isn't going to to make any difference things things happen as they happen I was strangled and left for dead um, in 1989 and um, I forgave the person many years later I have to say but I forgave the person and um, 
uh, that person sent me a birthday gift recently um, and we talked from time to time. And when we did meet many years later, um, the person apologized and um, publicly in, in front of quite a few people. And um, I said, oh, don't worry. I said, I forgave you years ago, really. I said, yes, not because you deserve it, but because I'm worth it. And that is such a profound thing to do. And, and that that sits with me often when I when I see people getting upset about things and think, you know, what's why why waste your energy? You need your energy for yourself, for your own healing. And I'm yes. not going to get stressed out for anybody. I can't afford to have any more cancers. I've four is quite enough, thank you. Um, and you know, they kept coming to me because I wasn't listening, I wasn't paying attention. So I'm in control, it's my life, and um there we are, I'm worth it. That's powerful. I mean, that's just sent shivers. That's just sent shivers down my whole body. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's it's very hard with forgiveness because I think there's so much out there in terms of you've got to forgive, you've got to forgive, and you've got to do it in your own time. And I think you said yeah, 1989 it happened and yeah. then several years later. Yeah. Mm. But then when you do, kind of like the release is like, because they don't know. They yeah, don't exactly. care. Yeah. They don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. And you're holding all this anger and, yeah. you know, rightly so. You're holding all this ang anger and angst and upset and, and bitterness. And meanwhile, they're do -do -do, yeah. just carrying on with their life. So you do it for yourself. That's the only yeah. reason you forgive, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. Worth it. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're amazing how you've done all these things. What, what, what's next? What have you got lined up next? Exciting things, adventures and so on. Well, I've, I said to myself that six would be my number six would be my, my last marathon. But I think I've lied to myself because <laughs> there's something in there, Elaine, that I'm not quite I'm not quite ready to let it go. So I don't know that at the moment. Um, I want to do some more climbing. Um, I don't know what that is going to look like. I want to do some more hiking. So I need to start exploring and seeing what other mountains um I can climb but um I'm just looking for more adventure so whether that's running or hiking or climbing it's going to be something along that line um brilliant because that's what kind of like keeps me uh keeps me going brilliant you're an inspiration for sure so how do people get hold of you Noel if they'd like to um have a chat with you about any of the any of the above and the uh, the coaching that you provide? Any of the above. Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn, Noelle um, Morgan, um, or you can email me at hello at coachnoelle.com. Marvellous. And spell Noelle for those listening on audio. Um, N-O-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. Think of Christmas and I was born in June. So Oh, okay. Go figure. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, lovely to speak with you, Noel. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Elaine. I really enjoyed chatting with you.